Hi everyone, I'm Margot Faraci. Welcome to Heart and Hustle, How to Thrive in a Crisis. In this podcast series, we hope to help the community learn, normalise and thrive in these unprecedented times with lessons from leaders in a range of fields about their experiences and insights during coronavirus. Now today I'm talking with Jacqueline Mooney. She's a journalist and really well-known media identity. In her early career, she moved through the ranks at Dolly and Cleo before going on to lead Bride-to-Be, Weight Watchers and Prevention Magazines. The last 10 years, however, have been based firmly within the health and wellness space. She's been editor of Women's Health in that time, and she has shone a spotlight on sport, nutrition, and fitness. She's also pioneered the growth of the brand's annual Women in Sport Awards, which you might have heard of, and they champion Australia's female athletes at all levels, from grassroots to Olympic, and made history in 2018 when the awards were broadcast on Channel 7 as the first time a female sporting awards night aired on free-to-air television in Australia. Jackie speaks regularly on health, wellness, women in sport and challenging the status quo and she was finalist for the Social Change Maker in the 2018 Women in Media Awards. Jackie, thank you for making the time to join us today. We met for the first time earlier this year when you really kindly invited me to come to be a mentor for the Women's Health Women in Sport Awards. Now, as a board member of the GWS Giants and the coach of my daughter's AFL team, previous coach of lots of netball teams, I really do feel the lessons in sport are just too important to miss and it's about winning with grace, it's about uh, losing and taking the lessons from that and really backing yourself, particularly for women, feeling your body is powerful. We get a lot of uh, we get a lot of messages about our bodies being ornamental. I think it's important for girls to see their bodies as powerful and really supporting your team is important as well. What fuels your passion for sport? Oh, look, firstly, thank you very much for having me today. <laughs> and yeah, talking about one of my favourite topics personally and professionally, which is women in sport. And I often say it's quite ironic and my dad finds it hilarious that I spend so much time talking about sport because I was the famously unsporty one in a sporty family. My dad actually... Well, so you thought. Yeah, well, so I thought at the time. <laughs> More on that later. But yeah, my dad actually played um, representative cricket and hockey and okay. I thought it was insanely boring having to go and watch this every weekend. And I guess the love of sport came came later. I, you know, discovered a, run, a love of running later in life, sort of around my 40s and and I guess working at women's health, women in sport was such a huge part of our brand. And, you know, the reason we started this initiative was, you know, back in the day, it's very different now. Women in sport just were not getting the attention they deserved. You know, people are horrified whenever I tell this story that back in 2012, you know, Sally Pearson, who was the absolute golden girl of the London Olympics, came home with all of these gold medals. There was a, a national newspaper poll and she was actually beaten for Sportswoman of the Year by a horse. And I remember at the time, we at Women's Health were completely horrified by this as a brand that is all about the empowerment of women. We thought, you know what, as a brand, it's incumbent on us to do something about this. And so that's why the Women in Sport program was was born. And I guess over the decade or so we've been doing this, we've just seen the incredible rise of women in sport. And I think right now, particularly, everyone needs a little bit of good news. And these women, to me, are the most inspiring role models that you could ever, ever find, particularly, I think, in Australia, 
we really punch well above our weight. You know, all those women like Ash Barty and Sam Kerr and the Matildas and the Australian women's cricket team are just doing incredible things. And I think, to me, in addition to being great sport and great role models, this is about equality. It's about gender equality. It's about pay equality. And it's really whether you're into sport or not. It's about you know, allowing little girls out there to look at these women and look up to these women and think, you know what, if they can do that, if they can smash that barrier, I can do anything I want in life. So I couldn't agree more. So I think that's really, really what fuels my passion in this space is just, you know, being of service to support these incredible athletes in what they do and really just inspire that next generation of girls and women to just go out and achieve whatever they want in life. It's something beyond physical prowess, impressive though that is. Um, great story about the horse. I never thought of it that way, but yeah, you did right. Yeah, caviar it yes, was who right. beat it Which, to the post. Great racehorse, don't get me wrong. However. Different species. Different species. <laughs> I do remember in, when my daughter was in year three a few years ago and she wants to be a professional sportswoman, she discovered in year three that, that women don't get paid the same. There's no there's a gender pay gap in sport and she was outraged. And she I remember her saying, her little year, eight-year-old self saying, and does the Prime Minister know about this? Surely he wouldn't allow it. So, you know, we've got some work to do and you've really led the way there. Why in particular with that program did you decide to build mentoring into it? You know, and you asked me to be a mentor. I, I think, you know, I always get more out of it than I give. But why was that important to you in that program? Well, I think when I arrived at Women's Health at the end of 2016, you know, women, the Women in Sport Awards had been going for a little while and I guess it was growing and we just asked ourselves, what more can we do? You mm -hmm. know, we want this to be more than just one night a year. We want to actually be of tangible support and benefit to these women. And obviously we spent a lot of time talking to athletes about what they needed and they were saying things like, you know, we want airtime and we want recognition mm -hmm. and we want equality and we want all of these things. And, and we thought, well, look, what we can do is create this support network. And I think after, you know, seven, eight years of wins at that time, we had a really strong pool of wins alumni, all of the girls who had come up through and won awards over the years just hungry to give back. You know, they were all telling us, you know what, we wish we had some kind of support when okay. we were coming up. There was no pathways. There was no role models. Yeah. And so when we started this, you know, we called some of the most high-profile, successful sportswomen in Australia who are some of the busiest people you'd ever meet. They all instantly agreed to help because they just want to give that help to others to bring them up that they didn't have. So I think to be able to, you know, talk about things about, well, if I'm being trolled on social media, how do I do that? Mm. Um, you know, I'm only being paid eight weeks a year. How can I manage my money so that I actually can retire and have a successful life after sport? And how do I create my own personal brand? You know, the athletes had so many questions. How do I juggle study and my training commitments? Yeah. And so we really wanted to connect that next generation of, of sporting star with these leaders in business and media and, and let them have that one-on-one -on -one opportunity to ask questions. And it has just been such an incredible experience and really has grown and grown. And we just felt it was really important um, to make those connections for the future success of, of these women in their careers on the field and then beyond the field once they do leave sport as well. And it has made a big difference to them. 
I want to get to your leadership in a minute because you've certainly been through your own leadership lessons and working out how to thrive in a crisis. Before I do, just one more question on that work you did with the with the women in sport. You know, every year some of Australia's most renowned sporting faces, so Bronte and Kate Campbell, Anna Mears, Elise Perry, Sally Pearson, who you've talked about, they attend the Women in Sport Awards, at, but also some really impressive grassroots players who are on their way up. So over the years, what are the common themes, one or two common themes that you've seen that have really helped those women excel? Yeah, I think a few of the things that impress me about these women so much, I think a big theme coming through is emotional resilience and mental toughness and realising that there are no shortcuts. You've got to do the work. And so I think that that is something really valuable that they possess that I really admire and that I think we can all harness in our own life. Like it's interesting. I was just looking back, you know, before um, some incredible quotes, obviously from um, Kate Campbell, who you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And I mean, everyone would know about her huge disappointment um, back at Rio in 2016. You know, she calls it herself the biggest choke in Olympic history. Um, And, you know, she left sport for a little while, took a break after that. And she talks about a lot now that having that break actually allowed her to become a better person and a better athlete. And she realised she just hadn't given her body or her mind mind a break. She'd been swimming since she was 16. And so she said, you know, if I don't ever put myself in the position where failure is possible, I'll never be in the position where success is possible. And so I think that that is a common theme I hear a lot of these women talk about too, is don't be afraid of failure. You know, even Ash Barty, who is number one in the world, everyone went wild when she gave that Disney quote after she, you know, spectacularly dropped out of Wimbledon. Everyone thought she was going to win. And she said, you know what? This is just tennis. The sun is still going to come up tomorrow. (laughs) And what an incredible lesson, you know, so classy in defeat. She's not going to let that bring her down. So I think that that is some really incredible qualities Um, that we can all learn from and that I see as a real, real common theme in all of these sports women, whether they're at elite level or whether they're at a grassroots level. And perhaps for anyone who achieves their own form of success in life, you know, you've said uh, emotional resilience, mental toughness and doing the work and also embracing failure, whatever failure looks like. So to your own uh, experiences this year, you know, the media landscape fundamentally shifted this year when Pacific Magazines was acquired by Bauer Media. So some of the country's most loved brands, including Women's Health, your magazine, Men's Health, but also Elle, Harper's Bazaar and OK ceased publication. So for a while there you were still down, you know, and you thought that was temporary and then you came back to work and you actually told that the title's going to be cancelled. How did you support the team through such huge uncertainty, Jackie? Yeah, look, it's been a wild year in media. I'm sure everyone has read about it. You know, I've I've worked in um, journalism and magazines since I was 20 years old, since I finished my media degree. And, you know, I've just worked nonstop, basically, that entire time. And I think, you know, so many talented people have lost their jobs and so many brands have closed. And I think what has made the situation so difficult is this all happened in the middle of a pandemic as well. So much of this actually happened over Zoom. So, you know, we were stood down by Zoom. We were told our magazines weren't coming back by Zoom because there was no other way. Mm. You know, we weren't allowed to go into the office. So obviously, you know, it was incredibly sad to see such great brands um, close in Australia. But I think working in the media, I think you understand 
Um, and something I learned many years ago is anything can happen to anyone at any time yeah. and you've just got to be ready for it. And mm. I guess getting to this point in my career, you know, I'm very lucky that I have never been made redundant up until this point. So mm. I think it was very difficult for the team. It was obviously very difficult to me because it was much more than a job to all of us. You know, it was really our passion. But I think the thing that I learned during that time is that if you can't control it, you know, don't worry about it. So I think the most important thing I did to support the team during that time was just constant communication. Okay. So I don't think that we have ever been on Zoom as much during yeah. that period. Yeah. I think a job's a job, but to me, our mental people's mental health was the most important yeah. thing during that time. So I think as a health group, women's health and men's health, we banded together and we made a weekly Zoom call and we just checked in on people mm -hmm. and talked about what they were doing and are you, are you okay? So that would be my number one piece of advice, just communication, you know, jumping on Zoom, checking in with people regularly and just asking that question, are you okay? And listening to the answer. So just, you know, making sure they know that you're available. I mm. think as a leader, when something really unexpected happens, particularly in the middle of a pandemic, just be in constant communication and know that everybody deals with this kind of situation differently. 100%. I think so difficult for you during that period where you were stood down, but you thought you were all were going to come back to work. So difficult for you to be communicative because you actually weren't the decision maker you didn't know what the outcome was going to be. And so I think a lot of people in that situation would have actually said, well, I don't have anything I can tell people, so I'm just going to say nothing. But what you decided to do was actually step into the void and, and just make it a check-in and, and, and be transparent with what you knew. And I think that's the, that's the number one lesson that I observed and learned too. Even if you've got nothing to share, even you've got nothing to say, yeah. say that. Say, hey, guys, unfortunately, <laughs> there is no update. See you next week. Like, just say that. You know, that's better than saying nothing. So I think that that was a, a really good learning. And I think, you know, the other things that really helped, you know, I could not have survived this time without exercise. Yeah. You know? And I yeah. think a lot of people have been the same in the middle of the pandemic. You know, doing that, getting outside, running and having a routine so incredibly important yeah. when you're going through any kind of massive life change because it just keeps your mind and your body strong and it just gives you that outlet. You also, I think, had some really supportive peer relationships. So if we think about you looking after everyone else, then how you looked after yourself, there was certainly, you know, the exercise element, which is really important for you. Um, which is outdoors as well. But also I know you had some really supportive peer relationships which helped you through. So can you tell us about the importance of that? Yeah, absolutely. Like obviously I was supporting my team and I guess when you get up to a senior level, it's also really important that you are equally supported. So I was very lucky that, you know, we used to sit with the men's health team. We were all very tight. And so, you know, the editor of Men's Health and myself, you know, really leaned on each other during that time. We yeah. used to joke, we called it our editor, editor the solidarity walk. So we <laughs> We were meeting up at least once a week, talking on the phone every couple of days. We really have both said we wouldn't have survived that time without each other. And, you know, a couple of other senior colleagues that we could just really speak openly and honestly to each other because, you know, obviously you can't show, you know, necessarily everything that's happening with your own emotions to your own team because you have to stay strong. So to be able to have a couple of key peer relationships that you can just be completely honest, you mm. know, definitely find those people mm. because it's really important. And sometimes you just need to have a glass of wine or just laugh your head off about something really stupid yeah. and just reach out to those people and not be afraid to go, yeah, actually today I feel really bad. And 
that's okay. Yeah. You'll probably feel better the next day. So don't be scared to ride that wave of emotion. I think we all went through every emotion possible over that 12-week period and, and that's okay to do that and you will come out the other side. Yeah, well, that's good advice for everyone, I think. You can't get there on your own. We don't go up alone. So the future of the industry for you, what does that look like, you know, as we head through this next phase of this global pandemic and beyond? Oh, look, you know, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? I think it's a time of change. It's a time of change for everybody. And I think, you know, there is still a huge opportunity for storytelling and connection. I think people are more hungry for that now than they ever have been before. That might just be delivered in a different way. Mm. So I think that's the opportunity. Um you know, people being comfortable with that. And one of my favourite quotes, I remember I went to the International Women's Health and Men's Health Conference and one of the speakers there opened up the whole week by saying chaos equals opportunity. 100%. And he said, stop trying to run away from it. Yeah. You should actually embrace this time. Stop going, when is this going to end? I hate this. This is awful. He said, actually see the opportunity in this because it's when the chaos comes that something completely new could come out of what you're seeing at this time as something really terrible could be the best thing that has actually ever happened. And I know that you, as you head into, you know, taking your redundancy check and thinking about what's next, you're really trusting that, Jackie. Oh, definitely. You know, we've talked about this the first week or two, you know, when you've worked so hard for so many years, I kept thinking I should be doing something. I should be doing (laughs) something. I should be working. And it took a week or two and I was like, you know what? Actually, I should be doing nothing because I've worked like a, you know, a maniac for 27 years nonstop, which is probably not very balanced. So maybe this is actually a great time for me now to just, you know, take some time and, and connect with people and you know, focus on relationships and training and just feeding my mind. And you know what? The right opportunity will come along eventually. I'm not going to stress out about it. So I think it's like enjoy the now because you'll be back at work soon enough. So I think it's learning to just be comfortable with that. Jackie Mooney, lots of lessons there about how to thrive in a crisis. And the way you're approaching it sounds to me like a really no regrets approach. So thank you very much for sharing your story with us. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. I hope from this you've got some ideas and some themes about how to thrive in a crisis. Now, you can definitely hit the subscribe button if you want to hear more of the show and give us a rating as well. Thanks again for listening. See you soon.